0: Hey y'all, AB3 here. Before we get started with today's show, I just want to give you a couple of updates on the greatest hunting app that there is right now. Of course, I'm talking about the Onyx Hunt app. I have it. I don't go into the woods without it. Onyx Hunt, man, that application saved me so many times. I want to tell you about the wind and weather we all know that plays a big part in what we do, how we decide to hunt, where we decide to hunt. And when you have the OnX Hunt application, you can see hour-by-hour forecast for wind speed and direction. Check it out for the next eight days, any spot that you hunt on your map, up to the next eight days. That means you can plan. Plan ahead. Kind of like how they said in the AT movie, plan ahead, amigo. You can do that when you got the Onyx Hunt app. Weather updates coming from 100,000 weather stations, refreshed every 15 minutes. Large, intuitive visuals make it easier for hunters to identify weather patterns, make those end moment decisions, switch it up, kill those big deer, kill those big elk, get after those ducks and geese, making quick on the spot decisions, man, to help you be successful. Trim tracks, man. If you got the trim tracks, you can easily get to and from your stand. Sometimes you forget to turn your trim tracker off. Now with the trim tracks, you can trim those extra steps, get it down to a precise direct route in and out of your hunt area. Onyx Hunt, know where you stand. Make sure if you don't have it for your Android or your iPhone it is available you can also use it on your browser web maps are available whatever you choose to use just make sure you're using onex hunt From Stone Mountain, Georgia, this is the
1: Bryant Land Show, hosted by Proud Gamecock and South Carolinian AB3.
0: It's Monday, and you know what that means, it's time for another episode Of the Bryant Land Show. Thank you for taking the time, making the download, coming through, checking us out. Hope everyone is having a great Monday, getting their Monday started off right we have a great show for y'all today and hopefully you are listening to it on our website brightlandcountry.com where you can listen to our podcasts, watch our videos listen to past podcasts buy merch all of that good stuff hopefully you are doing that if not wherever you're listening to our podcast we certainly appreciate it want to send a big shout-out to the folks over at Onyx Hunt. Thank you for sponsoring the podcast. And also want to send a shout-out to the folks at Irish Setter Boots, Keeping Us Fitted, and Traeger Grills. Man, the sun has been out here in Georgia. Temperatures are starting to rise. It's time to break out your grill. So we appreciate the folks at Traeger Grill for outfitting us and getting our grilling on couple things i want to hit today before i get into my guest which is scott einsman from the ata and bow hunters united we had a great conversation really enjoyed talking to him I've been talking to the folks over at the ATA for the last couple weeks Archery Trade Association uh, for those of you that don't know and uh, hopefully we will get a chance to do some things together here in the near future Um, but like I said I really have enjoyed talking to those folks over there but I'm going to hit you with a couple of things before we get into the interview so let's get started right now. As a person who has spent majority of their professional career working in media, specifically television, I try to educate folks and try to get you guys to think outside of the box and not fall for the tricks and the pitfalls that we have in the media that we use to grab people's attention you know people always want to blame the media and the media and the media the media is pushing an agenda the media is doing this the media is doing that the big bad media and here on the Bryantland show and just in general I try to educate you folks uh so you know what to look out for and kind of not be you know Influenced or spreading rhetoric uh, when it comes to the media. That being said, I came across an article from Deercast.com, the folks from Jury Outdoors. Um, I was checking out their website and I came across an article. The headline of the article says, Access Denied georgia to ban bow hunting now obviously that is a headline used to do what grab you by the neck bring you in and read the article is georgia as a state banning bow hunting no they're not you have to go in read the article to understand what is going on the headline like i said is just use snatch you up by the neck bring you in and hopefully you read the article but what most people will do is see access denied georgia to ban bow hunting and then be like oh my god georgia's banning bow bow hunting what the hell's going on well i'm going to tell you what's going on because i read the article february 9th city council meeting in columbus georgia the city of columbus georgia south georgia area is now being considered for banning bow hunting in the city. So, City of Columbus is out potentially bringing in an ordinance that would ban bow hunting in city limits. Now, we as bow hunters know that deer populations within city limits are pretty healthy. Normally because they aren't hunted or not hunted on a regular basis and they can pretty much hide in plain sight and be in a place where they are safe, safe from hunters. Now, some people are, you know, for this and they think that is a good thing. We as hunters, part of what we do is conservation, keeping numbers in check. Um The article here says that you know the amendment uh quote to add a provision limiting bow hunting to properties of at least 10 acres in size and for other purposes end quote sounds innocent but as the discussion continued bow hunters were accused of potentially killing people's pets i.e. the deer, leaving razor blades, broadheads, around the woods along the roadside for kids to hurt themselves and putting their lives of citizens in danger because they because of a stray arrow possibly ricochet. This is from that meeting in Columbus, Georgia. Um the mayor skip Henderson blatantly states that he's against hunting councilman Glenn Davis who bought the proposal for it says that while they cannot stop hunting they can impact the areas where hunting is allowed the councilman also said that people in the neighborhood feed the deer and they've become like pets and then a bow hunter just sits there and shoots them now these are from the mayor and the councilman from the city of Columbus And anytime you have things going on within your city or within your county, you need to be up on it, especially when it comes to hunting, especially when it comes to our hunting rights. You know, a lot of times people pay attention to, you know, the big elections you know the the presidential election you pay attention to you know your governor election but the truth be told as for us as for hunters and people that want to preserve our sport or our heritage for some way of life we have to to be a part of what happens locally. You have to pay attention to what happens locally. Everything getting always about the libs and the dims and the, and the snowflakes and all that other stuff. Like you got to pay attention to what's going on in your own backyard to protect our rights to be able to hunt. Now, like I said, this article came from deer cast drew outdoors Uh, I would urge folks to check out with your state DNR, uh, any local groups that promote bow hunting. You can definitely get on mailing lists from your DNR. They'll keep you updated as to what things are going on in your state. I know. Uh, here in Georgia, like there's always an issue I wanna say every year of the G O N magazine, the Georgia Outdoor News magazine that lets you know where they're coming upcoming ordinances or laws that may affect hunters in general. But folks, like I've always said, we as a hunting population have to stick together, work together to protect what we love, and what we do. Otherwise, folks will come in like this and they will basically be here to pick apart the carcass. Second thing I want to hit you with real quick before we get into our guest today. Turkey season, around the corner, spring, in the air. Make sure if you have not already started to start practicing your turkey calls, especially for newer Hunters, I still consider myself a little bit of a newer hunter, especially when it comes to calling turkeys. Yes, I can do it. Yes, I've called in a turkey and killed it, but it still does not hurt to get those calls out and start practicing, especially if turkey hunting is not an obsession of yours and it's not something that you're doing year round. If you're hunting multiple species and you're focused on different seasons, now's the time to break out those turkey calls Get to practicing. If you're going to bow hunt turkeys, get your turkey target out. Start practicing your shots, your reps, man. Preparation before you know it. The season will be here. It will be at your doorstep. Third weekend in March. Second weekend in March. Um, or excuse me. Um, Third weekend. I want to make sure I got this right here in Georgia yes second weekend March youth season which basically when you're listening to this podcast weekend coming up the weekend after that full-blown turkey season folks so if you have not already started Get those calls out, get to practicing, get your turkey target out, put some shots up. uh, Make sure you got your gun sighted in. If you're going to take your shotgun, 12 gauge, 410, 20 gauge, whatever it is that you use, make sure that you're out there practicing, getting right, man. It's an exciting time. Spring, winter is pretty much almost behind us in most places, especially here in the south spring is upon us and at our almost at our doorsteps so get yourself ready and go out and get you a turkey now that we got all that other stuff out of the way scott einsman outdoor rider bow hunter fly fisherman archer there is a difference bow hunter archer we talk about that in our conversation but he's the digital content manager for the archery trade association had a great conversation with him just talking about bow hunting talking about hunting in general foods that we like when or should i say after you know hunting them how to prepare foods how to prepare your kills we talk about all of that stuff we get into it so without any further ado i'm going to move out the way scott einsman from the Archery Trade Association, right here, right now, on the Bryant Land Show. Bryantland. Scott, thank you for taking the time to come through and join us on the Bryantland Show. Connecticut, or should I say Richmond, Virginia, via Connecticut. How's it going today in beautiful Richmond?
1: Oh, man, it's great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a beautiful sunny day. Looking forward to shooting my bow later. And and spring turkey season is right around the corner. Like this, like these little peaks of spring we get, it's just it gets the blood pumping. I'm excited.
0: Exactly right, because it's like today. Like I'm I'm in Georgia. Like I live down in Thompson, but I'm up here in Stone Mountain. I'm actually getting ready to go watch my son play his first baseball game uh, for the season. But it's funny. Like whenever I go to practice, I see these geese like hovering around like on the track field and stuff and it's hard for me to turn my brain off because I'm looking at the flock and I'm like oh that's a good one that's a nice one and then it comes back to me and I'm thinking I'm like now where would you set up in this field like which way they're going and then I start looking at them from a bow standpoint and it's like okay because I've seen videos of people like hunting geese with a bow and taking geese out with a with a bow. So then I start looking at them and I'm like, hmm. So if I, I wonder if I hit it here, would that be a good shot from this angle? How close could I? It's amazing. Like I'm supposed to be at practice watching and you know enjoying that, but it's hard to turn that part of my brain off.
1: Oh man, yeah it it never gets shut off. Like. <laughs> If I drive somewhere with my wife, I'm like, you know, pointing deer out as we're, we're going by and like, you know, you see like a nice field, of like, man, I'd love to hunt back in there. That'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: like, how do you get in? Like, is there yeah. a good entrance point? Like, do you come out the same way? Is there a better exit point? Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It's totally yeah. bananas. Now, it's a sickness. as the digital manager for the Archery Trade Association, you have to exclusively bow hunt only right
1: i mean I is do... that a
0: re- it's got to be a requirement
1: <laughs> it's, it's definitely not a requirement but, <laughs> um archery is definitely my passion and yeah. bow hunting is an extension of that but i hunt you know squirrels with 22 on birds with a shotgun on deer at least once a year with a, with a gun so there you I'm go open to all possibilities
0: well, it's funny because I joined um, a hunt club this year and I was talking to one of the members and, you know, we were just having a conversation, talking about the club or whatever. And I'm like, um, it was like Do you bow or gun. It was like bow during bow season and then gun during gun season. I was like, oh, wow. It's like, okay. He's like, what about you? I said, I bow hunt from beginning to end, from tip to tail, like, uh, I've never, in the short time that I've been hunting, because I've only been hunting for about five or six years now, um, you know, I've never shot a deer with a rifle or any kind of firearm, as a matter of fact. The only thing I've shot with a firearm is just, uh, you know, ducks, geese, um, and then, you know, like the occasional turkey or whatever. But everything else, you know, I like to try to bow hunt. And he was like, man... He's like, you good. He's like, because as soon as that calendar turns for gun season, he's like, I am pulling out my rifle and I am making up for lost time. I was just like, hey, man, you know, whatever floats your boat. But I've said this on numerous occasions, and people that listen to my podcast probably get tired of hearing me say this, but there's nothing like having a deer standing 15 to 20 yards away from you you can see its breath you can see you'll see its breath depending on you know the weather you can hear them like crunching on you know corn or whatever it's eaten and to be that close is just the ultimate like there's nothing like it
1: yeah and I think some of my my favorite times are when you have you know, deer in front of you, like, you want to shoot, but you're just waiting for the perfect angle. Right. You know, it's facing you. You're waiting for that front shoulder to come forward. You know, you need it to turn a little bit. It's behind a tree. <laughs> those, like, tense moments where you're, like, trying not to get busted, trying to make the shot opportunity happen. Those are, like, some of my favorites.
0: And then they, they – it seems like it takes forever. Like, I got into – Filming hunts this year, finally, like I've dabbled in it before, like I'd bring my camera every now and then and stuff. And then like when my son would come with me, you know, he would run camera. Um, But this season I committed to bringing my camera set up to every hunt. And I was very happy that I was able to get two shots and a very prolific uh, miss like, I hit a branch and sawed it in half. You can see the arrow split. Like, the whole, like, it, it's crazy. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> so, I, so I, was, I was actually kind of proud of myself about that. Because my goal, my goal was to get at least four kills on camera. And I got two kills. And, a, and like I said, a, a very prolific miss. So, I was, I was happy with that. But my point being, um, going out and you know, filming and being able to look back at like what you're doing and looking at your mistakes and stuff has been invaluable. But to your point, when you're sitting there and you're looking and you're waiting for it to turn and you're waiting for it to take that step in real time, it seems like it takes 20 or 30 minutes. When I go back and look at it on video, it's like a nine minute clip. (laughs) (laughs) and you're like that's it because it seemed like it took like a half an hour for it to happen yeah for sure now do oh no i'm sorry go ahead
1: no i was gonna say now did you find that having that video help you with uh tracking the deer later like calling a shot and all that
0: oh yeah definitely definitely like the first the first one i shot Um, I thought it was just like a great shot. Like, and then I went back and I looked at it and it was like, uh, it was long and then definitely like tip of the spine. So it was higher than I wanted it to be. Um, it was effective, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it wasn't that perfect, like center shot, like I wanted. Um, and then the second one actually between looking at it on video and examining the arrow, actually helped me recover that deer because it was lower than I thought it was. And then when I looked at that arrow and saw, you know, it was basically all gut matter, I just let it go, waited overnight, called a, a, a guy that had a tracking dog, and we found the deer. Like, And the only thing I could keep thinking was that if I would have been impatient and tried to track that deer in the evening, I would have either A, pushed her, Or B, I would have never found it because she was in like some of the thickest stuff that that she could find a bed down in. So definitely the video and knowing, you know, how to read an arrow uh, definitely helped with that. Yeah, for sure. And do you do much filming yourself? Because I find that also when you commit to shooting on camera. It's kind of like you you basically got to shoot the deer twice. Like you got to get it in the right frame yeah. and then <laughs> you got to execute a great shot. Like do you do you do a lot of filming or what? Like what's some of your filming adventures?
1: I mean, I have uh tried many times to get, you know, hunts on film and yeah, pack cameras all over public land around here. <laughs> 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 when it comes down to it, I like, you know, I love, you know, filmmaking, I love shooting videos, but when I'm by myself, I'm like, I'd rather shoot this deer than get it on film. <laughs> I, just,
0: <laughs> I just want to do it and get it over with. Yeah. 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 Like, exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. No, I, and I've, I've missed opportunities because I was like messing with a camera and then like, you know, it's pretty thick in a lot of the areas I hunt deer pops up for 10 seconds and it's back, you know, it disappears again. Right
0: so yeah yeah. It, it's, I, I have
1: a love hate with filming <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: funny you say that because uh, I was just talking about this the other day the first uh, time I killed a turkey I killed it with a bow and everybody usually when I say that everybody's like oh wow and I'm just like yeah. Calm down. It's been all downhill since. Um, but, <laughs> I can relate to but, that. Yeah. But the very first time I killed a turkey it was a bow, and then I was uh, I had my camera with me, and you know I'm following the turkey, and it was actually it was like four of them, four mature long long beards. They were uh, Miriams in Nebraska, oh, and wow. I had them, you know, all on camera, and I finally I picked out one I was going to shoot. Then I get to the corner of my blind, and it's completely out of you know, like out of frame. Like all you see is like the black side of the blind. And at one point, it finally goes off in my head. It's like, okay, well, you got to shoot this thing if you're gonna kill it, because otherwise, it's just gonna keep going. <laughs> so it stopped. I draw back, shoot it. You can hear like the arrow smack it and everything. Um, you know, even though you can't see it, you can hear it. And then he wobbles off. And then I got the wobble on there, and I'm thinking, okay, I've completely blown this. And so then he took off um, and flew, in, I don't know, maybe another 20, 30 feet, and then piled up under a cedar tree. And I just thought, you know, he had got away. But when I went back and looked at the film, um, you know, it's like clearly, you know, I hit it, and then it flied off and it died up under the tree. But it was definitely one of the most exciting things that I've done so far but also the most nerve-wracking because you're sitting there and the the video guy, director in me wants to keep following this turkey and have it in perfect frame not realizing that the your room to shoot is over with and it's like, okay, well you got nice video but if you don't kill this thing you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of all for naught so Oh. Yeah. So. Yeah, that 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 was actually that was that was pretty amazing. I look back at that video and I'm just like, oh man. So, growing up in Connecticut,
1: yeah. did you
0: get to hunt in Connecticut? Like, did you learn yeah. like everything? Like, who got you started, and like what what was that aha moment for you? Like, okay, I'm hooked on this, and this is something that I'm going to do.
1: You know, it, yeah, it's it's a story like with a lot of turns because. So my dad, he he's a gun hunter, and he's the type of gun hunter was like one of those that's like, gun seasons here, uh, in Connecticut it's like a one week, shotgun season, mm-hmm. hunts for that season, doesn't see a deer and that's it, type of guy. <laughs> but gotcha. that little bit of exposure was just like enough for me to like, you know, light that fire in me, and he doesn't bow hunt. My mom, obviously doesn't bow hunt, you know she she's not from america, so okay that's that's not something that she was like brought up around, she gotcha. doesn't exactly support my bow hunting <laughs> 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 but uh and so yeah, so just a little bit of that, I always had an interest in archery, mm-hmm. and so um, I started like making bows by myself, you know, like watching dvds we didn't have youtube back then right so (laughs) right (laughs) it's these days don't know how good they have it but yeah so i started making like bows in my garage i took my like boner safety course with like a bow i made like got some like funny looks you know showing up with like this homemade hickory bow and wood arrows (laughs) um and before that hunting season i ended up buying a, you know, like a fiberglass and wood recurve bow. Mm-hmm. It's a Mark Hunter. And I got some carbon arrows, and, you know, just went out in public land by myself. You know, I'm 16 years old and tried to figure it out. Busted, I don't know how many deer, not knowing what I was doing. Uh, yeah, saw, you know, saw deer, but never had like a shot. So uh, close a few times, but like,
0: wait, you know, wait a minute, I want to back up just a, just a tad because, and you have to, excuse me, sometimes I'm, I'm late to the party and stuff registers <laughs> like late with me sometimes, but you made your own bow yeah, and arrows like, okay. So you go from gun, okay. Being exposed, gun hunting. Mm-hmm and like you said there's no youtube there's no you know like you know all the things the comforts that we have today like what i guess i like what in you is just like okay hey i'm gonna go out i'm gonna make it and then you're making them from like hickory and stuff because making yeah. for people that don't know making a bow is not an overnight process
1: no <laughs> you like you, before you, eat,
0: you right? One, one you know, you really got to know what you're doing.
1: There's a really great book series, and so uh, back when there used to be bookstores, <laughs> <laughs> back
0: in the olden days,
1: um, the '90s. <laughs> I was like in the bookstore. It's probably like a Barnes and Noble, yep. and like in like the hunting section, or like it was like all sports section then. Yep. Um, there was a book there called the Traditional Bowyer's Bible. Okay, and there's three volumes to it. They had volume one there, and it's a book that tells you how to uh, make a bow. And like the intro to that book is this awesome story of this guy, you know, talking about going, you know, talking about going hunting with his bow that he made, and it's just like really amazing romantic idea of doing something like that. So. That was enough for me. I had this interest in hunting. I knew I wanted to hunt with a traditional bow, and so I was like, "Let's see if I can make a bow." So that's kind of how that snowballed.
0: Wow, that that's awesome! Like I have so much respect for guys that have the time, and yeah. more importantly, the patience. Like I I, I envy patient people. Like uh, um, it's something that personally I'm working on, and definitely deer hunting is a education and patience every time um but just to have like the patience and to just to go through the process to make a bow man that, that's that's pretty awesome
1: yeah i mean it, it's a super cool thing i, I recommend it to anyone even if you don't want to hunt with it it's a mm-hmm. fun thing to do for sure and you can you don't need like special wood or anything if you go to like a home depot mm-hmm. and they have like the oak boards you just need to find one that's straight green a ton of YouTube videos now on how to make a bow from one of those. Mm-hmm. It costs like five dollars for that piece of wood, and then just some simple hand tools. You can you can make a bow.
0: Wow! And then you do uh, you do your arrows the same, right? You make your do you make your arrows as well?
1: Um. Yeah, I do. But for for arrows, I would recommend if you're going to get wood arrows, get like good wood wood arrow shafts from you know, like a traditional archery supplier, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. don't just buy dowels because they have to spine them out. You know, they need to be consistent for them to, to do anything that you want. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: And it's funny because I remember we, we talked before and forgive me. I know I'm all over the place. That's one of the things that we kind of do around here. We kind of just jump around from different places. (laughs) (laughs) Um, when we talked before, I asked the question: Archer or bow hunter? Yes. <laughs> yep. I consider myself a bow hunter. Like, and I, I, don't know. I know I told it to you, but to the listeners, like, t- quick story. First time I picked up a bow, I went to, uh, or f- first time I picked up as adult, I should say, I went to this um to a archery shop. And they had, like, an introductory class where it's, like, 20 bucks. You go, you shoot a recurve. Like, you don't even shoot a compound. You shoot a recurve. So it's instinctual shooting and stuff. You know, go through the form and everything like that. And I remember the guy teaching the class. He would say, you know, it's like, okay, this is how you do it, blah, 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 blah. And probably... That class was like a 45 minute class, probably like 20 minutes into it. I'm like, yeah, I got this. I can definitely learn how to do it, especially on a compound bowl platform. And the guy said, not just to me, but to everybody in the class, It was just like, you know, you all are here today taking your first step towards becoming the archers. It's great that you're here because nowadays everybody wants to be a bow hunter and just they don't want to take the time to learn the skill and the passion. And, you know, like all that, like he was just real like romantic about like romanticizing about it. And he's just real crotchety. And after about, like I said, 20 minutes in, I was like, yep, I'm good. I took that class. I finished the class, enjoyed it went to the Bass Pro Shop, and bought my first compound bow. So (laughs) 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 I was definitely, in his mind, contributing to the problem because, no, I did not want to take the time to be the instinctual archery shooter. I wanted to be a proficient compound bow shooter so I could bow hunt. As for you, Scott, archer or bow hunter, what say you?
1: It depends on the time of year. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so you know uh, like part of what I did after I got started in bow hunting is I started to compete in archery also and okay. that became a huge part of my life and, you know I went to college to be on uh, the James Madison University archery team Oh, that was a huge nice. part of something that I did um, you know I had that those olympic ambitions throughout college and then you know after college i continued competing and i still compete in archery today so like in the summertime uh i'm usually shooting my competition bow Mm -hmm. and you know my hunting bow doesn't get that much attention but around august you know i switch over start getting everything ready for hunting season and Mm -hmm. then Sorry. Oh, that's not once hunting season's here, um, I'm hundred percent a bow owner <laughs> and don't even look at my competition bow, so it kinda depends.
0: That's fair. That's fair. You do you yeah. you kinda go back and back and forth between and you know, just the competition, I think what people don't understand, um competition shooting, even three D shooting Mm-hmm. whole different skill set than bow hunting.
1: Oh, uh, absolutely,
0: yeah. <laughs> just the the amount of, like, the skill that goes into, like, and then you got all kind of things, um, you know, that you have to, you know, compensate for, you know, when you're bow hunting that, you know, if you're just shooting a target, a still target, that's not going to move on you. That's not going to turn. It's not going to jump the string. Like It's just, just completely... Completely different, would you say one is easier to transfer into the to uh translate into the other or vice versa like is it easier to go from like competition archery to bow hunting or bow hunting to competition archery like what do you do you find a difficulty in making like weaving between the two
1: uh I think that shooting competitions will definitely help your shooting and art you know for bow hunting. Mm-hmm. because you're working on your form. You know, that's the biggest thing is you're you're being an accurate archer. And if you're shooting 3D competitions, you're judging distance a lot. Mm-hmm. You're still mm-hmm. aiming at a spot that you can't see. There's no, and most 3D tournaments, there's no orange dot or anything on mm-hmm. the 3D target. You still right. have to figure that out. The, the big thing, and there is pressure involved in competitive archery, and you have to learn how to manage that. Right. However, it is nothing <laughs> like shooting at a live animal if, you know, I felt those kind of nerves when I was shooting at a target. I don't know if competitive archer would be that much fun to do that <laughs> over and over and over again because you <laughs> right. might have a heart attack. Right. So, <laughs> but it, it does help, you know. So, yeah, I would say if you're a competitive archer and you want to get started in bow hunting... Mm-hmm. You might have an easier time than like a bow hunter who's just like maybe has only shot like 20 yards and then you want to go and try and shoot, you know, 50 meter compound outdoor competition. Mm -hmm. You might want to take a few archery lessons and make sure you have the right gear and all that before you did that.
0: Right, right. And then, you know, it's because it's like you say, you know, if you shoot longer shots, then the chip shots are. Are easier, in theory. But, like you said, yeah, when I you, mean, when you add way that way. pressure... Yeah. <laughs> yes. It, it, it's not, you know, it's still, you know, you still got that, you know, coming down on that animal and stuff, and it's just like, all right, we're here at this moment and trying to make a great shot or trying to make at least a good shot, so...
1: Yeah. But when you need to be able to make these, like really important decisions really quickly on the fly while you have all this adrenaline going through your veins.
0: Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. like,
1: that's like something that you really don't get in archery because, you know, even if you have one minute to shoot one arrow in a competition, that's a lot longer than, you know, you have to make a shot on an animal most of the time. So, wow.
0: I did not realize that there, like there was a clock on. So you get like one minute to,
1: for it that depends that on, individual it target? The, it depends on the tournament format, you know, like uh so like an indoor tournament, that's 20 yards. You yeah, you have you're shooting 3 arrows at a time. So, you have yeah, about 3 minutes to to shoot those 3 arrows. So, got gotcha, you. Got gotcha. you. Wow.
0: Yeah, it Funny time. I it's, I keep saying <laughs> say it again. <laughs>
1: It's all the time in the world. <laughs> I
0: I keep saying that I want to do like 3D, like a, I you should. It's fun. Like competition 3D, like I I tell you what I enjoy, and
1: you live in a great part of the country for it because a lot of the major 3D tournaments are right around you.
0: Right, and is the weather is usually nice, so it's easy to get out and. And be, you know, be outdoors and stuff. So and I've seen, you know, a few of the 3D tournaments and they do look fun. And I keep saying, you know, I'm gonna find the time to try to do one. But I tell you what I do miss and what I enjoy, what I really enjoyed, and I wish there was a place down here that had it. Techno Hunt. Oh, oh yeah. Oh my god. Techno Hunt is so amazing. Like I trained for like my first few bow hunts well first of all I was living in Wisconsin so the weather outside is crappy and everything to begin with so there's not a lot of 3d stuff until like later in the uh in the spring almost till the summer and usually by that time I was already gone like I'd come back down to Georgia but like in the dead of winter Like being able to do the techno hunt thing where basically like if you ever wonder what happened to those old laser dicks, uh, laser disc, Jesus Christ, laser (laughs) disc. Oh, God. Laser disc back in the day like if you want to know what happened to those just go to your local archery shop that has techno hunt and there they are because they're basically those big old laser discs and they put them in the machine and they're basically different hunting scenes and your goal is as a bow hunter usually from 20 yards away is to make these shots on these animals and it is a great tool to help you get ready for the season because the animals are not always 20 yards broadside like they turn they move you got to wait for them to stop i and then there's all different kind of animals i absolutely love the techno hunt.
1: me too so one of my local archery shops shooters archery um, they have one of the newer systems that runs off of like a laptop and Ooh. you can you don't have to use special points on it you can because it projects it onto an actual target so you know not, no more like that screen and the blunt tips
0: right use, yep
1: use your field use your field points so you don't have to change anything and it is an absolute blast
0: man and that's up there that up there in uh richmond
1: yeah Yeah, they're in uh beaver dam virginia
0: man that that might be a a summer road trip right there yeah just to go check that out because like i said to me it's just one of the the better tools like one to prepare for a hunt and even not so much preparing for a hunt just like Plain old fun, like you just get out and enjoy shooting your bow and just enjoy, you know, being outside or enjoy uh shooting, you know, in general, it's just a great way to to enjoy it. So. Because I think a lot of times, too, people get away from, you know, just the enjoyment of shooting a bow, like shooting a bow to me is relaxing, and it's yes. not always necessarily about, you know, preparing for deer season or preparing for turkey season or whatever, you know, going hog hunting or whatever. You know, sometimes you just want to go out and put up like, you know, 30, 40 arrows just because you enjoy shooting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I have bows that, you know, I don't hunt with. I don't shoot competitions with. I just fun bows to shoot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, just for that reason. Just because archery is fun.
0: Man. So if you were talking to someone and they had absolutely no idea, it's like, okay, you know, it's got, I see this archery thing. I see, you know, shooting bows and stuff, and it looks like it's fun. What would you tell a first time archer, first time bow hunter, like how to get started what to do like well what are the simple steps into getting started
1: first thing i would do is find an archery shop near you that does archery lessons and has rental equipment that Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. you can sign up for like a 30 minute archery lesson you don't have to buy any equipment your only investment into the sport so far is whatever they charge for that you know that 30 minute lesson and usually, it's not a ton of money.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And then you can try the sport. You'll learn the basics. See if you like it. Then you're building a relationship with that archery shop, who is really going to be like your base of operations as you're getting started. Because you know, there's a lot of people make the mistake of they buy a bow online, like everything else in you know, <laughs> in the world, right. But, it's really not that simple with archery. There's, like, there's so many options and everything has to be so customized to you as an individual that you really need the help of like a brick and mortar store to help you get started, make sure you're getting all the right stuff. Right. You know, Even if like the bow at the mom and pop shop is priced higher than a bow that you saw online, you're going to end up saving money by not buying a bunch of the wrong stuff and getting started the wrong way.
0: Very accurate, very accurate. Like i i I found that out the hard way. Let's just say, like, in, in yeah. nothing <laughs> nothing yes. nothing against the big box stores. You know, they got me set up, and you know, they got me, you know, started, and I got started shooting and everything. But then when I went to my first mom and pop bow shop, and I took my bow, and they just kind of looked at it, and it was like, well, did you think about this, and have you had it paper tuned or? You know, what about a drop away rest as opposed to, you know, a whisker biscuit or whatever, especially if you're thinking about hunting with it, like just things that right. you don't normally think about or, you know, you might not have that attention to that detail at a big box place, you know, like a specialized mom and pop archery shop will usually have you covered on that front.
1: Right. Yeah. And the people who run those shops you know, they're they're doing it because they're passionate about the sport, so they usually know what they're talking about.
0: Now, you, going back to your job, like you said, digital manager for the Archery Trade Association, of course, Archery Trade Association, everything archery, uh, does great work for, you know, getting people out into archery does great things as far as like keeping bow hunters and stuff informed. But you also work on another project that is really great for bow hunters, bow hunters United. What? Absolutely. I'm just going to fall back move out of the way. Cause I, I know <laughs> you're probably sitting over there like, God, this guy's wordy. Is he going to just get to the question? But bow hunters united what's it all about why is it so awesome
1: all right so i mean this is something that you know the archery trade association has had been thinking about for a long time and it really came about because there was a need for a national organization for bow hunters mm-hmm. there's a lot of great conservation organizations out there but we wanted to make one that kind of like brought all bowhunters together hence the name boners united mm-hmm. and really created a better future for current and future bowhunters and so doing a lot of grassroots recruitment efforts and grassroots projects that are going to make bowhunting better for the long term
0: and see the key word to be when i when i listen to you talk about that is breaking all bow hunters together yes. all so not just you need to look a certain way or you need to Absolutely. have this type of bow or you can only shoot you know this way or hunt that way like it's bow hunters united everybody black brown female asian disabled like everyone and i think a lot of times we kind of lose sight of that you know archery bow hunting is for everyone. Yes,
1: it is for everyone, and it's also we get very clicky in bow hunting. You <laughs> have public land guys, you got your private land guys. You have, yes. you know, we're a true. I'm a true bow because I shoot a compound bow. You're not a bow hunter because you shoot a crossbow. If we just like set all that aside, right? You know, we can get back to fighting with each other on Facebook <laughs> in a little bit. <laughs> just like set all that aside, and we think about what really matters. Yep. We can do a lot of good.
0: So I, th- I totally agree with that. I, I was having a conversation uh, with one of your comrades, and I told her, I said, you know, everybody's always hollering about, you know, what group is going to, you know, mess this up, their they, aunties and all this other stuff, and, you know, the, the libs and whatever you know, group that sometimes bow hunters or just hunters in general have like this instilled fear of. And I'm just like, no, like, yes, you got to, you know, pay attention to, you know, people that are opposing, you know, this sport or this way of life. But before they get here, we're going to be the ones that implode and mess it up with all the infighting over just like dumb shit that makes no sense. Like we could do more by being on the same page for the sport and the way of life that we love than doing a whole bunch of infighting and stuff like the, by the time all these other groups, you know, the, the Peter people and, you know, all those folks get here, they're basically think of it as like, hyenas or coyotes, by the time they get here, they're just picking off the carcass because we would be then rotted to death and make it, you know what I'm saying, and implode. So, I I just, I wish more people realized that.
1: Yeah, and I also wish more people remembered back when, not too long ago, when there weren't bow seasons, there was just hunting season. Right. As bow hunter numbers grew, we got to have our own seasons, and then we got to have seasons that and a lot of states are, you know, at a better time of year for hunting than gun seasons, and longer. So, big it, picture,
0: it's longer, and we get it's longer. We get started earlier, or at least you have the option to get started uh-huh. earlier. You know, people that live in South Carolina or even here in Georgia, you know, like I got buddies in South Carolina, they can start at the end of August, but they don't want to because of all the snakes and stuff. But you have yeah. that option. For sure. So just, you know, being able to have those options. And like I said, I just think we can we can do more together than we can, you know, in fighting amongst each other. But I'm going to get off my soapbox about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what? is next for scott i mean i know you got we got turkey season coming up are you going to be dedicated to killing a turkey bow only the entire year will you pick up a shotgun 410 12 gauge what 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 are you into
1: man that's a good question and i haven't i have not decided yet so last year was the first year that i did not hunt with a bow during turkey season I only had a shotgun. Um, and I had a good time, but I was really missing my bow uh, just because, like, last year it's on a new property. I wanted to be really mobile. I didn't want to worry about blind or decoys or anything like that. Yep. Yep. But now that I know this place, I do have a few spots that would be really good to just set up and sit quietly and wait. Mm-hmm. So I might set up a blind there, bring a bow with me. Uh, so, yeah. TBD what about you awesome
0: no my my plan is to get one with a shotgun first because Mm -hmm. I didn't kill one last year um I was supposed to go hunt in Texas but then all the COVID stuff happened um so I I hunted here in Georgia but like I said I did not get one and you know I was talking to someone a few weeks ago Uh, Matter of fact, I think it was Scott Ellis. I was talking to him, um, you know, big time turkey hunter and turkey calling champion and stuff. And I I was telling him, and of course, he agreed. Like, I heard somebody say it. And the more I think about it, it's true. It's like turkeys were created to be shot in the face with a shotgun. (laughs) (laughs) That from a lot of <laughs> and, and at first, I was kind of like, mm, I don't know about that, especially as a person that's killed their first turkey with a bow. It's like, I've killed a turkey with a bow. I've done something that most people do not do in a lifetime, at least when they're first starting out. So it's like, yeah. you know, I've, I've done something to be proud of. Then I shot one with a shotgun and I was just like, man, <laughs> that is pretty <laughs> awesome. <awful." Yeah. laughs> so... So I think I want to try to get one under my belt and then the the other prevailing prevailing reason I miss turkey meat cuz wild turkey meat, oh man, like the things that you can do with wild turkey meat. Brother, it ah oh, it, it's delicious. So I want to get one in the bag in the freezer so I can get it to the grill. And then that'll take some of the pressure off. And then I can kind of, you know, take my time and ease my way into trying to kill one with a bow again.
1: You're talking about language when you're talking about turkey meat.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Wild turkey meat, man. Like the first time I had a wild turkey breast, like I did, I took the whole breath. I breasted on the bird, took the whole breast, and, in, you know, injected with Cajun butter for the inside and season it on the outside and let it sit overnight and then put it on the smoker and when we took that thing off and sliced it man when i tell you that cajun butter was just running right down the lines oh, God. oh man it it was it was a shame that that was all i had and like you know like that breast that was all that we had so i was just like okay I gotta get another turkey. I gotta figure out how to do this thing whole, so I can have like the whole turkey and oh, and then the other, the other side of the breast, like I chopped up and I made like turkey nuggets, and those things were just oh. So yeah, I gotta get. I I gotta get a. We can kill three in Georgia, so I need to get at least two, so I, I can you know have. Have some one to put on the smoker, and then hopefully do one whole for Thanksgiving. Now, I, now here's one for you. Are you a fall turkey hunter? Do you guys have a fall season in Virginia?
1: We do, but man, I I rarely see them in the fall.
0: It's crazy because I hear them more in the fall than I do in the spring. It's funny how that works. But <laughs> I yeah, I always hear them in the deer stand. We don't have a, a fall season here in Georgia. Uh, but I hear them more definitely in the fall, gobbling and putting and all kind of stuff. And it's just like, where y'all come, April? They <laughs> like, just get quiet and stay quiet. It seems like, or maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just hunting in the wrong spot. So I don't know. <laughs> There's always that.
1: Uh, man, you're talking about Cajun butter and turkey breast has me hungry. <laughs> like that podcast you did with uh, Rue. Yep. Yep. Oh my God! You guys started talking, and I was like, "Man, I'm so hungry."
0: Man, I'm telling you, like people, you know, we were talking. Me and Ru were talking, and it's funny because you know, I'm I made a correlation or I made you know observation that you know people from out west and from like further down south, like Arkansas and stuff, like they're really into the romanticism of hunting like they're into you know like the conservation knowing where your food came from you know like food to table and all that stuff and it's perfectly fine like I've gained a better appreciation from talking to folks like that but like for me and like my buddies like here we're like, we want to kill deer because it tastes good. We want to kill turkeys because they taste good. We want to kill wild hogs because they taste good and because, you know, it's fun and stuff like, and it's just funny those two, just those two thought processes um, and how they're different. But at the end of the day, we're still enjoying the same sport. But, yeah, I yeah. I love the food aspect part of it and the things that you can do with it and learning how to do different things with it, because I'm just an old, you know, uh, an old dirt road country griller, you know, just throw it on the grill, flip it over a couple times, you know, and then call it good, but, you know, starting to marinate and do different things and smoking meats and deer and stuff, oh, man, (laughs) I, I get excited thinking about that stuff, Scott, I tell you.
1: I mean, one of my other hobbies is cooking, so... I love it.
0: Oh, there you go. Right up your alley.
1: Yeah, and it's fun to share wild game is, you know, you know back before COVID, we used to have wild game dinners and have people over and
0: mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm.
1: whenever we'd have people over, I always have to cook like something wild game so you can just expose people to it, you know, get them interested in it. You have stories that go along with that. You know, you're building connection within the meal. Yep. It's the same thing like I like cooking a lot of food that has, like, a little bit of history behind it, like, you know, dishes that have been around for a while, or uh, I, I have a garden, so, like, I grow a lot of, like, heirlooms that have, like, cool backstories to them, so it's all just, like, it all comes together and makes, like, a really fun meal.
0: Right, right, and like I said, just to have that appreciation, knowing where your stuff comes from, knowing that you've grown, that, you know, you've been part of the growing process from tip to tail i mean it just makes it makes it even better but yeah i i miss those days of being able like i had like take some goose breast and you know put that out there on the grill maybe have mix in one of my favorite games to play is to uh deer beef and take deer burgers and make deer burgers and then, you know, grill beef burgers and then put them all together in the same thing and it's just like, let people grab them and it's like, oh, wow, that's good. It's like, yeah, that's deer. Uh, so, so, some people don't find that as funny as I do, but it's just like, I would, you, just, you've opened up someone to something different now.
1: So, yeah. yeah. I mean, like last year, my friend had a Super Bowl party and I brought uh, a whole you know, front shoulder of a deer that I had slow cooked uh I did it like barbacoa mm. to make like to make tacos out of and you brought a slow cooker over there. Mm-hmm. People are eating they're like, Wow, this is amazing. I was like, Oh yeah, it's a it's a deer shoulder <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right. It's that that after the fact exposure is just like what and then I have <laughs> friends. then I then I got friends that are just like don't try to slide me anything like you know, I'm watching you and I'm just like hey, if <laughs> You know, if it's not your bag, I'm not going to force you, you know. I don't need you wasting my good deer food by up chucking it back up because you don't like it or whatever the case is. It's like I'd rather give it to somebody that that I know is going to eat it or hell, I'm I'm definitely going to eat it myself. So there's no need to to waste it on on you if you're not going to eat it. So
1: Did I hear you tried raccoon?
0: <sighs> oh, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Finally, it's one of those things. And actually, the people that listen to my podcast is probably tired of hearing me talk about it because it's been a two-year thing. Ever since i started this podcast, I've had people on that have tried to tell me that deer... I'm sorry, that raccoon is just like pork. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't know about that because all I see is trash panda and the black eyes. But finally when i was in arkansas on a snow goose hunt and jonathan i don't know if you follow black duck revival but it's a great follow uh, jonathan that runs that place down there uh, he's a great cook he he's posting stuff on instagram all the time of like stuff that he does i mean like he really does some high end chef stuff with wild game meat Um, All the stuff that he kills, catches, traps, whatever he's right down there in those swamps of Arkansas. So anyway, he made a raccoon uh, that he trapped. Um, And I think he braised it, um, put all these different kind of spices and African spices and stuff in it. Um, Sweet potato tortellini, which I've never had before. Honestly, never knew it existed um until i had it and um so you got the braised raccoon and you know a lot of times people always talk about eating raccoon with sweet potatoes um so it was the braised raccoon with the sweet potato tortellini and i must say that it was very tasty now does that mean that i'm ready to go out and sign me up for some barbecue (laughs) raccoon slow down but my one instance, the first time that I had it, I can honestly say it was it was really good.
1: I, I'm gonna have to give it a try now. I, you know, it, next it, time, big one waddles by my stand, <laughs> I'd have to uh, ruin an arrow.
0: It, 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 like I said, it, the way that he did it, it t- like it, it didn't taste any different than like a beef pot roast. So it was, like I said, it was good. But I've had guys on, and I've had folks talk to me about it, and they swear it's like, oh, I can make a coon taste like barbecue pork. And I'm thinking to myself, why would you want to? But, I mean, they're, honestly, when you strip away, like, my own biases and then the thoughts of what you know we know raccoons are the reality is it's like it's a dish and it's a delicacy that goes back hundreds and hundreds of years um yeah. so of people you know cooking and eating raccoon barbecuing you know with sweet potatoes and all kind of other stuff so it, it's you know it's it's definitely been around i'm just the one that didn't uh partake in it for a while but like i said i can i can check it off i've tasted it it's not bad um, I'm in no hurry to try it again. I'll tell you something else too while we're on the subject that was kinda different from me. Uh we had goose heart. Um mm-hmm. and I've never been a big organ guy. Um as far as like eating organs and stuff. And I had a buddy of mine that tells that tells me deer heart is the best thing since sliced bread. Um, but so I had goose heart and it was just real gummy and I wasn't overly fond about it, but that was, that was, you know, I could check that one off. So, cause like I've said on before, on numerous occasions, when it comes to trying new food, if I got to pay for it, I'm definitely not into experimenting, but <laughs> this was, a, this was given to me as, as, on a complimentary basis. So I was like, all right, then I'll, I'll try your, your, your raccoon and your goose. So, <laughs> <laughs> or your goose heart. I mean, I've cooked geese yeah. all the time, but yeah, your raccoon and your goose heart. Oh, I'll try it. So yeah, yeah. What's the? I guess in the in that same vein, what is the most exotic or out of the box wild game thing that you've had? Uh,
1: well, I guess along the lines of like organ meat. Like for for me, like liver is something that I'm not like a huge fan of, mm-hmm. but I'm always. Trying to figure out ways of cooking it, and in a way that I will enjoy it. Um, so, I was watching a show where like people are trying out to be like, you know, an Iron Chef. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm.
1: It was, like on the Food Network, and um, Stephanie Izard is a chef's name, and she makes a chicken liver ice cream. I was like, what? People were going nuts over it. I was like, okay, this is interesting. So I was like, I'm going to try to do this with deer liver. So my wife has a friend of hers over for dinner, Um, you know, making, like, all these courses. And for dessert, I have a deer liver ice cream that I've made, and it did not taste bad. It was interesting. It was, like, very earthy, kind of nutty, but the aftertaste, (laughs) irony, liver that lets you know that yeah you're eating liver
0: (laughs) in an ice cream
1: in an ice cream yeah
0: wow okay i think you you've definitely a got my coon story beat um b wow wow dear liver ice cream
1: Wow. (laughs) probably wouldn't make it again but not that bad so far, my favorite way to deliver is to put into sausage.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can see yeah, that. That's a little bit more That's a little bit more down the line. Uh, so did you put this ice cream in a cone or like?
1: No, just so I served it in a bowl. And then um, I, I served it with like a topping of lingonberries. And so like a lingonberry is like a very traditional like European thing to put with venison. Okay. It's kind of good. You know, very tar, kind of like a cranberry sauce uh, feel to it. So, kind of I paired pretty well with that.
0: Wow. Man. We're, you learn something new every day. That's all.
1: <laughs> so. <laughs> you learn something I, new I every day. To next deer season when uh, I hear that you've made deer liver ice cream.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know about that one, Scott. Maybe, uh. <laughs> i don't know maybe maybe, maybe the, if, the first and then, yeah i need it yeah i'll yeah there are a lot of other things that would happen before that but you <laughs> you might could sneak that past me um i tell you what if i if i make it up to virginia this summer to come try the uh the modified techno hunt that you guys got up there yeah. then you know i don't know maybe we can sit outside and have just a little pinch of deer liver ice cream and just make sure you got a trash bag nearby. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Scott, I appreciate you taking the time to come by and just kick it and shoot the breeze here no, on, the, on the Bryantland Show. But, man, before you get out of here, let folks know where they can find you. Where can they find your deer liver ice cream recipe, <laughs> if they so choose? <laughs>
1: I did post it on the bowhunting 360 Instagram story. I might have you know saved it as a highlight. I'll have to go check, but it's been, it's been a few years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and where where can they find you and
1: follow you? Uh, so if you're you know below the age of 40, you're probably on Instagram, so uh,
0: <laughs>
1: here we go. Uh, Scott Einsman, all one word. It's my personal and then my work accounts are Bowhunting360, Archery360, Bowhunters United Official, and Archery Trade with the the line after for the Archery Trade Association. Nice.
0: Scott Einsman, thank you for joining us. Thank you for introducing us to Deer Liver Ice Cream. (laughs) <laughs> My pleasure. Forget the other fifty four minutes worth of stuff that we've talked about. Your legacy now is officially Deer Liver Ice Cream. <laughs> <laughs> deer liver ice cream, kids. That's what we're gonna take away from almost fifty-five minutes of conversation, ups and downs, ebbs and flows. I made a uh a verbal misspeak if you will uh apologize for that it happens um you know i told you guys a long time ago that you know we're very transparent here on the Bryant land show and i messed that one up my bad but i think deer liver ice cream overrides all of that um but nevertheless enjoy talking to scott Hopefully, uh, if you get a chance, go out, get you some deer liver ice cream if that's your thing. If that's what you want to do, you go for it. But like I said, really enjoyed talking to him. We had a great conversation. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that as well. As for me, I'm going to move along, finish getting my week going here. Like I said, it's Monday. Hope you guys have a great week. If you're getting ready for youth season in your states, hope you are prepared. And I wish you all the success in those seasons. I know folks down in Florida already getting started getting after the birds. Wish all you guys great success. But more importantly, make sure you come back here next week for another episode of the Bryantland Show. Y'all have a great week.